You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mitul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to a very special guest, Keith Lendis, on the journey of a CMO. Keith is the Chief Marketing Officer at Persistent Systems, a global solution and IT services businesses with location in 16 plus countries across Europe, India, Australia, and the US. Keith is responsible for all things marketing from brand to demand. He's also responsible for internal and external communication as well. Prior to Persistent, Keith spent majority of his career at IBM, taking on a wide range of roles across marketing, strategy, and consulting. Keith, super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I, it's great to be here, and I appreciate the uh, the outreach to do so. So, Keith, one year in in, in the role of CMO, huh? So, mm. so tell us tell us a bit about Persistent. What your journey has been um, in 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 the role of a CMO? I think one year is definitely a milestone. Yeah, I think an important one, right? I. I uh... Many people in their marketing careers aspire to, to become a CMO. I'm, I'm grateful that I've been given the opportunity to do so. I've held, you know, a variety of executive positions uh, at other companies. But you know, once you're you're the CMO for a company, I think the responsibilities look quite different. I think when you're in these bigger organizations. You know, there's sort of now this proliferation of there's a CMO for this unit, that unit, that geography, that industry, and you know, ultimately, there's there's one person, right, that's responsible for all that. But uh, to be finally in that position, um, I just am extremely grateful for, and you know, to to be doing so at Persistent uh, feels really great. And so, you know, maybe just a little bit more background on Persistent. It's about a 30 year old company. In fact, we're celebrating our 30 year anniversary this year. And so, again, you know, kind of coming into that role, you can imagine that's just really fertile territory for. A CMO to be able to leverage that and, and create some lift in the market around it. Um, we are a company that has deep roots in, in what you would probably call digital product engineering or software engineering. And uh, we have evolved into a services and solutions business like many other uh, companies that, that kind of come from the same uh, heritage. And uh, we have been you know, back on a growth trajectory as a company, we're about a half billion dollars and, you know, we've been showing good, solid quarter on quarter revenue and uh, things are just looking, looking really good as a company uh, financially and as a culture and uh, all the work we're doing for clients. So, you know, it's been an exciting year. And I think, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, you kind of covered what my responsibility is. Um, I would say if I look at my year, uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of do a reboot in in whole uh, in terms of the marketing function, uh, covering everything from the, the the foundational elements of you know defining who we are in the current age, um, you know looking at the portfolio with the chief strategy officer, our sales leaders, our offering management team, and trying to say, hey, 
you know, how could we position the portfolio in a cleaner way and in a more differentiated way? And, and then also where my journey started uh, with the company was immediately doing sort of this brand uh, modernization, right? Again, a 30-year-old company, it's, it's had new logos and, you know, resets over the course of time. But um, to be able to come in and just within a few short days uh, to, to have sort of the baton on Hey, go modernize the brand, take it to market. Um, you know, show 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 the world who Persistent is today. It's just really uh, an exciting journey. That that sounds very, uh, especially when you when you have a thirty year old brand trying to take that and trying to go through the branding exercise and some of the other exercise you must have you must have gone through over the year. So it sounds like the branding work was quite exciting, and especially you know as we're talking about thirty year old company. Um, how do you, you know, go through this branding exercise where you already have established brand, you have established credibility? Maybe if you can tell us a bit more about the activation session that you kind of mentioned, some of the lessons learned around that. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the most important things to realize is that, uh, you know, I come from many other or several other large organizations, right? Uh, with, with, with massive marketing budgets and, and resources. Um, and while I, I've enjoyed those right over the course of my career, I think it was really interesting to come into this organization and, you know, within a few weeks, um, you know, basically be asked to say, look, we've been doing this work with this agency a little bit before you, you got here, you know, we, we need to get this into market. And, you know, obviously I was exciting, I was excited rather uh, to do so, but when they said you got to do it in three weeks, I, I I almost passed out. Right, but <laughs> what 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 it really it sort of took me a little bit to kind of understand what that meant. Right, I mean this wasn't this isn't about an advertising campaign. This isn't about you know uh, a new brand for say. This was really about kind of launching a modernization of, of the of this legacy brand. And so, you know, I had to in many ways. Um, trust the team that I had just inherited, uh, which I think is, it's maybe cliche to say, but I mean, it's, it's the truth, right? When you're being asked to do something like that, I didn't have the liberty of, of rebuilding my team within, within weeks of me joining. So I had, I had to trust the team on that, uh, you know, look for my key players, partner with uh, HR and sales and many of the other functions across the uh, the team. And then also basically approach it in an agile mindset, right? If I was at IBM, um, you know, this sort of thing, and, and, and rightfully so, would have probably taken months to put together the plan and get stakeholders bought in and, and you know, do reviews for reviews for reviews and, you know, get it almost perfect, right? And I think there's a, an incredible beauty in that. And I learned a lot from that. But I also think that, you know, I'm, I'm working in a little bit more of a, you know, a, a smaller company, obviously, but, but there's much more of a startup and entrepreneurial mindset. And so just kind of launching into it, you know, getting the foundation right, applying more of an agile mindset in terms of, you know, how we would go about it um, was really what I needed to do right out of the gate. And then, and then in addition, one of the biggest aspects of this was, really understanding that at the end of the day, uh, you know, activating the employees around this was probably the most important thing. You've got people that have worked here for 25 years, right, that, that deeply, deeply love the organization, have a passion for it. And, and you know, they, they, they just have such admiration for the founder and chairman, you know, that sometimes as change 
happens, it's it's harder for them to embrace, especially when we put such a modern um, kind of twist on the brand, um, even creating a new set of core values, right, which were much bolder, um, you know, one of them being confidence, right, and just, you know, kind of leaning into, quite frankly, our strength uh, in the market. And so one of the ways we did that was to basically get out there. This was this was pre-COVID, obviously, but to get out there in market, in all our locations in the U.S., in Europe, in India, and spend the time with all of the employees, you know, probably 80, 90 percent of them at least, uh, and really get them to understand what this meant, whether it was walking them through the the new design system, right, and the logo and the tagline shirt, you know, it's all the kind of exciting stuff. But but also getting them to viscerally understand what our new core values are, right, and and what our personality needs to be. And oh, by the way, what's the difference between values and personality? And um, you know that that really was an important you know way of going about it. We we'd spent like usually somewhere between two to three hours in each of these offices. Uh, we would come together, and it wouldn't just be me as the CMO and you know, a local leader, it actually would be several members of our C-suite, our CEO, our chairman, you know, participating in this and seeing the kind of endorsement uh, of the new brand system. So just lot, lots of learning, but but also I would say as a new as a new leader in the company, there, there couldn't be anything better, right, than being able to kind of go out to every location for the most part that we have in the company. There's, we're in about 16 countries. And, um, spend time with the employees, get to know them, get to kind of know the organizational DNA a bit more uh, so that the rest of my year actually probably was accelerated because of all that learning that I did over that short period of time. So so that's that's quite interesting, right? I mean, trying to go to 16 countries, meeting with all the employees to understand what existing maybe perception of a brand is and, and how you potentially are thinking about it and making it uh, this legacy brand, you know, maybe a newer brand, um, you know, in, in that whole process and, and this being a international company, I'm sure there's a big cultural aspect that also plays, you know, into your branding and messaging. Um, would, would that a big factor when you're trying to rebrand a, a legacy brand? Well, absolutely. And I, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, I sort of mentioned it there is, is kind of understanding the organizational DNA is the way I would put it. Uh, you know, it, it took me a long time, right, to to basically get out of the, the mode of being a great brand like IBM and, 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 and Conduit and PwC, where I've been. Probably, these are all great brands. Um, and to come into a company that that basically, you know, it was a very startup, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, even though it had already been 30 years old and, and, and done a ton of great work and grown. And it, it's still a very substantial size. But to kind of, you know, get into that mindset of like, hey, you know, people viscerally love this company, love working at it, love their colleagues, um, ha- have an opinion about what we do, the value we bring to clients. And that was the whole point about kind of going out and spending time with people is that they could actually speak about the company. It wasn't about me to go tell them what the brand was, especially as a new CMO. That, that's ridiculous, right? Um, it was about giving them an opportunity. As an example, we we did an exercise around just, just values. And we would ask them to tell a story about, you know, when one of, not when themselves, but one of their colleagues exhibited a behavior 
when they were, you know, say ingenious or when they were confident or when they, you know, took more of a farsighted view on something. And, you know, we would just go around the room with the microphone. I mean, you're talking hundreds of people in auditoriums, right? And once we put the brand almost in their hands, it, it, it immediately clicked for them versus versus going in and just saying, hey, here's our new values. This is what they mean. Um, you know, giving them a chance and kind of putting them on the spot to own it. And um, that was just a really important step. And, you know, I think some guidance for others that are maybe in a similar situation trying to reinvigorate a brand or, or to rebrand um, is to kind of put that in the hands of the employees, because ultimately that that is, especially in a services business, that is what the brand mostly is, other than a website facade and, you know, a nice logo and all that. So. Yeah, which is which is which is so true, right? I mean, in your case, your IP is your 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 people. That's mm-hmm. that's essentially you know what you have. But I mean, the thing that you kind of touched on, right? I mean, you work for large companies like IBM, and so before that, compared to that, persistence is is the you know smaller organization. So going from a larger organization to a smaller organization uh, and trying to do this exercise, um, some of the learnings. You know, when you first the transitional learnings, right? Going from a large company, a lot of resources to a smaller organization, and then within the smaller organization, trying to do this branding exercise. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, if if the question is really what learnings do I have around moving from large to small? I mean, really, no matter what, no matter what I was working on, um, I think several things apply. I think first and foremost. Uh, you know, when when you have experience, you know, in my case, it was nearly 20 years, right? There are a set of playbooks that you sometimes don't even know that you have, right? That you pull on, you know, for this situation or, oh, we want to do this. And I'm not talking about marketing tactics. I'm talking about how to how to work and lead an organization or to collaborate, right? So for me, it was immediately you know, at least the first few months were, it wasn't really about, um, you know, I'd get up in the morning, you know, what do I do about this? I, I knew what to do about it. Right. And then it was really about applying, you know, what are the different plays I, I've run in my past that would be successful or may work here. And so, you know, really the stress uh, in the system was more about, okay, if I know that that's the right thing to do, how to get that done. Right. So first and foremost is kind of leveraging your pr- proven playbooks, if you can call it that. And then the second thing is, you know, truly embracing collaborative innovation, right? Really making sure that, you know, as, as, as you're doing things, you're bringing people into the fold. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. I saw this work in large organizations, but certainly, you know, in, in a smaller and smaller organization, you know, your ability to team and get people on board and, 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 and support an initiative or an idea is extremely important. You know, some people may think in a smaller organization, you, you know, you kind of need to own your space and just get it done and, you know, all of that, but, um, which is certainly true, but on the other end of it, you know, bringing the right stakeholders together, uh, and, and getting them excited and inspired about your vision or your idea is, is you know, incredibly important. And then the third piece would really be, um, you know, there's always this thing, you know, and I, I've heard this from other people like, Oh, you know, you know, you've worked in these other large organizations, you know, how, how are you going to fit in in a company that doesn't have this marketing budget or that, you know, uh, set of resources or whatever. And I, I just never saw it that way. And I would encourage others to just, you know, kind of just, just 
discount that. I don't think that's a real thing. Now, now I might be different in terms of how I approach problem solving in my work. But on the other hand, I think you immediately need to throw out, you know, all of the process baggage that you probably have kind of with you, <laughs> right? You might not know it, but mm. you kind of need to leave that at the door. Uh, and, and, and that's probably a statement as people switch jobs in general, but even more so as you move from, from that large to medium to even smaller organization, you know, just knowing that, yeah, the way you used to do something where it involved, you know, 10 people's approval meetings for meetings for preparation, tons of documentation on everything. Um, you know, there's a degree of that, that, that is like meets minimum. Of course you need to do it to just make sure things are done you know, by the, by the book. But on the other hand, there's so much of that that's wasted. And I can imagine at some time, you know, if, 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 you know, I'm in a larger organization at some point in my career again, I mean, I, I just think that that experience of being more lean, being more agile, sort of understanding where all this waste is in getting work done, uh, can just be immediately taken out. Um, so that, that was sort of the third big learning and something I had to immediately shake off as I came in the door. I, I knew that would be the case. That's, that's, that's excellent. So I, I guess, you know, the, this is such a, such a vast topic. I guess we can, we can talk uh, probably a couple hours on this topic, but as we want to keep this podcast more lean and mean and, and focused. So I guess two, two themes, right. As part of the podcast, one was branding and second one was large company to small companies uh, in transition as a CMO. So I guess let's, let's click on the first first piece and, and see uh, if you can give some kind of framework. If anybody's thinking about rebranding right now, what, are, what would be a framework for them, how they should be thinking about if they're thinking about rebranding? Well, I think you need to understand first and foremost, why you're doing it. Um, I knew in this case that for persistent, it really had fallen out of phase with just Quite frankly, it probably even started just modern look and feel. It, 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 the logo felt dated. Uh, the tagline was a little bit uh, dated and undifferentiated. And so, you know, the genesis of this actually started well before I, I got on board. They had started work with, a, with an agency, uh, Saffron, out of Europe on this. So, um, but on the other hand, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, you know, sort of creating the culture and the set of values that would enable and unlock the growth for the company. Because it, it had been kind of flat for several years. Uh, and it's certainly in a growing market around digital transformation, there, there would probably be no reason for that. And so this was a, this is one of the activations that they did across the company to, uh, to get things, get the mojo back again. But I think the most important thing is why are you doing it? I mean, is it just a facade? Is it just a better logo? Is it just, you know, that might be valid. But I think I think there there should be much more to it. There should be intent uh, either around differentiation or you know invigorating the the corporate culture or something that that's at that's at the heart of it. I think the other piece is using it as an opportunity to really kind of get clarity on who you are. So I know we've all known Simon Sinek's why, right? Uh, you know, get to your why, and ironically. I don't really think that was done, you know, as part of the branding work before I got in, right? It was, you know, a lot about developing the brand system. And within a few months, I sort of realized that as I went out and activated this with the employees and, and my, my peers in the leadership team, it, there was still an ultimate question of sort of, you know, so what do we do? 
You know, like who, 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 why, why do we exist? And so importantly, I think that work normally should be done up front, but we very quickly course corrected and, and, and got clarity around that. Right. One, you know, point one was, you know, going out and talking to many, many employees, to analysts, to some of our clients and getting their perspective on who persistent was, what, what did we do for them? How did we create value? Uh, and that, that work around, clarifying what we do became the foundation for our new web presence found you know the foundation upon which we we can now create campaigns in some very clear lanes to, to hit the market um, and then in addition you know kind of defining our why in a more simplistic way because the portfolio is one thing it's this broad vast you know set of things that we could do right and uh you know the why is a, is a much more you know should be a much more finite set of things and you know, for us, and I've seen this in other organizations, you could sit there and ponder your why and, you know, oh, you know, come up with some great fluffy statement. But at the end of the day, in the business that we're in, you know, we are ultimately trying to help clients, you know, imagine new possibilities, right, through technology. We are helping them engineer them and get them done. We are helping them take their legacy systems, applications, all of that, you know, and, and modernize it, be it through the cloud or through automation, right? And then we're helping them manage it. And so I know that, you know, that might not look and sound exactly like some other companies in terms of their why, but it, it was the most simplistic way that, you know, very quickly our leadership team coalesced around that. And and now that's a little bit, you know, that's kind of our handle. That's how we kind of, even if you went out to our website, you know, you'd see that being an organizing principle for, for a lot of the work we do, you know, the, the announcements we make, the partnerships we drive kind of orient around those, those four themes. That's, that's, that's very cool. And I guess double clicking on the second piece of this podcast that we're kind of talking about, if somebody is transitioning from a large company to a small company in a leadership role, what's, what's your counsel as to what's, what does it take to be successful you know, in, in, in your journey of last one year? I just think confidence in yourself. I, I, the one thing I'd say, I would maybe, if it's okay, I mean, it's like, it's like I'm being interviewed on a, <laughs> around politics or something. I'm going to try and pivot the question a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the way I, I'd like to answer it, which is, um, you know, I, I think I gave you some learnings about, you know, how to, how to move from a large to small, right? You know, don't bring your process baggage to you, you know, leverage your playbooks, collaborative innovation, that's all good. But, but what I see a lot is, and hopefully this is a, a degree of inspiration for some of your listeners, right? Which is, you've got a lot of people, you've got these big marketing functions, right? You've got, in some cases, thousands of marketers that are sitting in, you know, across geographies or in a global marketing role or a geography marketing role. And, you know, they, they could be in those roles for 10 years, 12 years, and they're doing great work. They might love it. But but deep down in their mind, they, they probably are saying, gosh, I'd love to be a CMO one day, or I'd love to be an SVP of marketing and, you know, for, for this company or that company or that, you know, all, all I would say is, you know, you absolutely can do it. Uh, you know, obviously you have to have the skills and, 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 and the leadership qualities to do it. But I think so many people don't take the risk to go out and, and take an opportunity like this, even if they, you know, we all probably self have self-doubt and, and think we can't do things sometimes or it's that's too big of a job or I don't have the resources I need. But I just would encourage a lot of people, especially at this moment, with with you know a lot of you know 
talent swapping going on and COVID and all that. So there's, is, you know, the market is kind of remixing for people to reflect on like what they really want to do. And if they aspire to have, be in a job like that, be confident enough to, to apply for it, to interview, to network and, and to say, yes, I absolutely can do it. And you'll get your, you'll find your way through it and, and, and all of that. But I just think there's so many really, really talented people that are sitting in these big, large organizations that are one of a thousand or one of a hundred even and um, these are people that could be, you know, CMOs or very senior marketing professionals uh, in other organizations, and they, they shouldn't necessarily be just completely obsessed with the, you know, maybe the prominence of that brand. Uh, and, and they sort of want to hang on that. Like, hey, you know, IBM is an incredible brand. I learned a lot from them. But I think there's people that just, they love the brand so much from a marketing perspective that they, they kind of want to just hang on to that for their marketing career. Yet, imagine if those people had really just looked in the mirror and said, "Hey, I want to be that." You, you know, I got to push myself to kind of get out of the comfort zone and and take something like that on. I don't know if that does that make sense. Yeah, no, it it, it, it totally makes sense. I think you know it's it's such a it's, you know such a I guess a subjective question as well, right? As to who's transitioning from where. What kind of role, you know, what definition, what geolocation? But I think general guidelines makes makes total sense uh, in this. So, well, Keith, thank you so much. You know, this is such a vast topic. So I think it's just, you know, we can talk a couple hours on it. Thank you so much for compressing it for our listeners in 20, 25 minutes, you know, to give them some counsel and ideas to what they can think about and how they can take some of these framework and potentially apply uh, and learn from it. But if they do have questions, you know, and if they want to, I guess, reach out to you, ask you any additional questions around it, what's the best way to contact you? LinkedIn, one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Landis, persistent uh, on, on LinkedIn, and uh, would look forward to connecting and talking to anybody. And uh, always love mentoring people as well if, there's, if it's the right fit. And uh, appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you so much. You know, thanks for being on our show. We really enjoyed having you on the podcast. I'm sure our listeners would love it too. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.